let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Good evening, boys and girls. We are back from for some Thursday night babble action. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Philip. Thank you very much. Um, we, we, we have a lot to get into tonight. It's it's usually the babble. TNB, Thursday night babble, loads to get through. Um, loads of nonsense to get through. But however, as we were saying before we came on air, Newcastle have ruined the start of the show, Jonathan. They've absolutely poleaxed the start of our show. Mm, well, you know, I had something in mind, you know. Um, it's been a real long time coming, this. And, you know, for years and years, like, freaking 20 years, like, since the first Harry Potter film came out, I just think I thought that was the headline news today. I re- I was really going for us to chat about that tonight, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the black and white, the tune, um, had different ideas. Yeah, sure. they they. What we're going to do is we're not going to get into too much detail tonight on Thursday night babble because we we're going to wait until Sunday night when we're doing our, our main show with the rest of the lads so we can all get into it and get a debate on it. Let the dust settle on the whole thing, but to gauge our initial reactions, uh, do you know any Newcastle fans? By the way, that you could you could ask or chat to because I have one a good friend of mine, uh, Connor Porteous, who I have spoken to, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Do you have any you've heard from or spoken to, Johnny? Yes, yes, I know three. Um, right. And funny enough, we have a resident Newcastle fan who listens to this pod every we week. Um, big shout out to the Figs. Uh, Up the Figs. <clears throat> Up the figs, he scored a cracker last night in football. I have to give it to him. Um, so we have Figo and Mosey. I was chatting to them both today. Um, they they are both delighted, which I think will be quite obvious. Maybe is the general opinion across Newcastle at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, it's it's there's the whole debate, right? There's yes, it's great to get Ashley out, right, and then. There's the other side to it, which I think is probably best to leave until Monday. And we'll talk about that a bit more because you know what? There's a certain bold person that's on the Monday Night Pod. And we all know who he is. And Steve you know Bold. What? Steve Bold, yep. He's going bald like him too. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave it for, for Mr. Steve and Mr. Tall and maybe a certain Mr. Renshaw as well. We will see to, to discuss that matter a bit further. But... I mean, Newcastle fans are delighted. Of course they are. I mean, they've got rid of Mike Ashley. They've got in owners who, let's be honest, from what I've seen, are saying all the right things. Um, investing in the team. You know, this is this is a project they're looking to build over years. You know, getting Newcastle back to challenge them for trophies. They're saying everything Newcastle fans want to hear on things that they haven't heard Mike Ashley ever say, probably. Um, so, yeah, they're absolutely delighted. Now, I don't know. Now, I did see one Newcastle fan on Twitter today who was completely against the whole takeover. Um, I don't know what 
what's your Newcastle pal thinks. I think isn't this is your Newcastle pal the guy that's actually from Newcastle and goes with his dad? Well, did go his dad, dad, Joe Fletch. That's his nickname uh, after the um, what do you call it? Dream Team character. Um, Fletch. Uh, he, his dad's from up there, so they're they were season ticket holders. But they, I've said this before in the podcast. They, they stopped being it recently because of Mike Ashley and what was going on. It was really sad. So. I asked him now on this as well, and I said to him, I don't know how to feel about this, to be honest. I, I do know how to feel about it, sorry. I, I, I'm, um, obviously, there's, there's the whole shadiness, the human rights issues, and what's been going on in Saudi Arabia. Um, so, in my opinion, they shouldn't be allowed to take over any football club. But then there's a side where I know Fletch has not been able to go and enjoy something with his father for a couple of seasons now, something that's very close to him and, and close to all of us. Like... And now they can, and for him, it's sort of a catch. To, it's it's a weird one too. He's buzzing. Mike Ashley is gone, gone. See you later, Mike. Good luck. But then he's looking at it saying our owners are horrible. They're horrendous. The human rights is horrendous. Like I doesn't. I don't think he knows properly how to feel. And he also pointed out as well, not not everyone's owners are clean. We know that in sport anyway. There are shady things around a lot of owners and of sports teams in general. Not to just, you know, deflect from what has taken over at Man City, but or sorry, New, uh, at Newcastle. But it, it it's a it is such a weird one. It is such a weird, um, one on how to feel. I, I genuinely just want to see how the next couple of days play out. But I don't I don't agree with it. I don't know how, and, and I haven't done enough reading just with today. Obviously, the news be reckon how this has passed your fit and proper ownership model, how this has all gone through when we know what's been going on. All of a sudden, BN Sports dropped their whole thing with Saudi Arabia and then next thing, both this came through and they could buy Newcastle. There's not even, and we'll talk about this one as well, the wealth this football club has now. And this isn't a jealousy thing, by the way, because people that listen to this podcast know enough and will know I don't care. The wealth, though, that this football club has now is absolutely scandalous. It is daft. I think Man City have a, a wealth of... Sheikh Mansour is a net worth of 23.3 billion, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just shy of what Steve's worth. And Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund that now own Newcastle have, <laughs> have a net worth of 320 billion. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really know what to say. You don't know what to do with those figures, so you don't like. You don't know what to do with those figures. Well, I know what I would do if I was Newcastle. I'd buy Kylian Mbappe, and I think that's 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 the dream. I don't know why you have to be like that. <laughs> well, that, that that's what a lot of Newcastle fans are hoping for now. You know, <laughs> it has been has been the chat. Um, of course, like I, like my my mate Mosey said to me today that he's he's woken up for the last. 10 15 years having no real hope or excitement about Saturday games. You know, sometimes he wouldn't even know who Newcastle are playing because it's just been the joy of football's been sucked out of him. And he feels today that he kind of has that back now that he can look forward to the future with Newcastle and, um, you know, enjoy supporting Newcastle again. You know, the team that he fell in love with as a kid. Um, the Figo was obviously going to drink about five bottles of wine over the weekend, so he'll enjoy it all right. Uh, like, I mean, I kind of wonder now, depending on what way this all goes, 
you know, I've obviously made it very clear the way I feel about, you know, Chelsea and Man City, PSG on this podcast in the past. It's really conflicting for me because I like Newcastle and I've always liked them. And that's part yeah, of me too. two mates that support them and, you know, the type of club that they are. But now I'm kind of conflicted thinking that I would say in five years' time I will fucking detest Newcastle uh, just because they're run by who they're run by, who owns them, who's pumping money into them now. I don't know what necessarily they're going to do with Newcastle, whether they are going to go out and spend mad money on players like Mbappe, you know, you know the way PSG and, and City and stuff have. Um, but that, that remains to be seen, so we'll just have to see. Like it's, I don't know. I don't really know what to say about it right now. I've only seen the announcements. I haven't read too much into the situation with the new owners, so I don't want to comment too much on it or you know, bad mouth them. I, I am aware of the things that have gone on to a degree, but I suppose it is exciting times for Newcastle fans. Um, we should probably just let them have that for the night. Um, and we'll get into it a bit deeper on Monday. But how would just... you feel if it was your club? And we're going to ask the other three lads to answer this on, Mon- on Sunday night. How would you feel if this was Arsenal? You see. Mosey said the same thing to me today that, you know, they seen online Arsenal United fans all giving it plenty and stacks about having morals. And like we, let's, let's, we do have a multi billionaire owner. Mm-hmm. Um, he just doesn't care the same way maybe Man City's owners or, or Chelsea's owners do. Or we'll see what Newcastle do in the future. But, um, it's hard to know because I personally I don't I don't agree with the things that I've heard about the new Newcastle owners. Um, yeah. it would be very hard to get behind. Um, it's also very hard to walk away from your football club. Yeah, I, I know I've threatened it enough times over the last six seven months, um, but I'm full of hotter anyway because of obviously the Super League process and and what was going on there and and why I felt and different things, but. So I do understand it is it it is going hard for some people. It would be hard to manage to walk away, but I I I genuinely believe, and this isn't me saying you have to if you're a Newcastle fan. This, I'm not judging anyone. You do you boo, you know. Don't I'm not judging anyone at all. Like, but I genuinely believe if this was happening to Liverpool, and this might happen down the line, who knows? That I I it would probably be the straw that broke the camel's back for me, and I'd be like, nah. I think someone, that's me out. I've been reading Norse blog today. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, go and check out his latest blog on Norse blog. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, but I, that, that's that's. I, I, I sort of feel like good. this is this is the beginning of um the new structure in Premier League clubs. I feel that now there will be these sort of foreign owners coming in and just ban out. Premier League clubs it's I just think it's the future like it mightn't happen in the next five years or even ten years but I would say yeah by the time Finn is around our age that majority of Premier League clubs will be run the way Newcastle Chelsea and City are it's just it's just a it's a billionaire's playground now that's the way it's going to be and it's it's not about it's not about football anymore it's not about the fans it's not 
it's not about what the brands it's about the brands yeah it's like one guy on twitter said a few weeks ago and i just replied them like with a roly a face he called arsenal a franchise and yeah was like, christ this is where we're mm-hmm. going um so we'll leave it there for the newcastle chat jonathan because this is the thursday night babble we want to have the crack on here we don't want to get doom and gloom and we don't want to get too serious either i don't think well i certainly don't um but we have to i know you want to address you want to address something for monday night don't you you want you want to address um what's been going on what was said basically by a certain member of the podcast on Monday night, you want to address Steve comparing Arsene Wenger and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So for two minutes, um, I'm going to give you the floor, Jonathan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that's fine. Um, I I did listen to the podcast from Monday, and now Stephen was being very bold. When I am away, he's very, oh, very bold. Yes, yes. Um, and he compared Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to Fanger. Now, <laughs> uh, let's, just, let's just get this straight. The situation with Wenger in his last couple of years compared to Solskjaer are completely different, right? Wenger finished in the top four multiple times with teams that were nowhere near as good as what Manchester United have at the minute. And I know Steve will argue the point that McTominay, Fred, blah, 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 but that's, despite the point, forget about that for a second, that's probably the weak spot of that team, fair enough, and he will argue Wan-Bissaka is as well. But they have world-class players all over the pitch. They have one of the best players to ever play the game in Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, Arsene Wenger finished, top, or finished in the top four with players like Scolacci in the team, Johan Jury. Shamak. Shamak, he had friggin' Yossi Benayoun. I mean, I'm not that Yossi Benayoun was the worst player of the play for Arsenal. He definitely wasn't. He was a hard bugger. But I mean, if you look at the squads that Arsenal had and finished in the top four with, going up against the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, City were coming through at that stage, United at the peak of their powers again with Fergie. I mean, the, the span, if you look at what Wenger spent at Arsenal in the 22 years he was there, I don't know, I don't know a wee bit of a a look. So in 22 years at Arsenal, gross spend for Arsene Wenger was 690 million, right? Mm-hmm. What 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 has Solskjaer spent at United? He's brought in Sancho for what was it, 80 odd million, 70 odd million? Yeah. Was, who's by the way done fuck all since he came in, and Nicholas Pepe got fucking ripped to death, right? When he first came into Arsenal for the price tag, like Pep Guardiola spent over a billion at Man City, but Wenger spent this in the time that. He was at Arsenal for 22 years. And we can, I guess I'll admit that Wenger probably was pushed out the door more than freely walked out of himself. And I think I've said that before. There definitely was something there. And Wenger was pushed that direction when he started failing to qualify for the Champions League. When he qualified for Europa League two years in a row, that was it. He was gone, club legend. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is finished in the Champions League, but he's won fuck all. Arsene Wenger completely revolutionized football and the English game. Solskjaer literally is not worth the fucking shit on the ground. Like, do you know? And Jesus swept. I know it's just like, I just don't, I don't see the comparison between the two. Like it's just, Me, Wenger, well, Wenger Steve, is a genius. 
Yeah, I, I, maybe it was. Maybe he just meant his the, the the end of his tenure, whereas this feels like for Steve Solskjaer's already at the end of the tenure that Wenger was at, where it's stale. Um, it's a uh, you know he doesn't see it progressing, but um, I'm sh- I'm sure Stephen I'm sure Stephen will be able to reply on no, Sunday night. And I, I'm sure he will, and I'm sure he will. Like the thing is, that's Wenger. Like you said, at the end of his tenure. Yeah, yeah. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not even up the middle. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't even need to manage that team. Like, he should be able to go out and beat most teams every week without even having a team talk. But he's fucking useless. He got the Europa League final and couldn't even win it against Villarreal. I mean, come on. Like, even fucking Miguel Arteta's won something. And I know it's only (laughs) just the FA Cup, like, but he's fucking, he will have that against his name. Well, what the fuck will Solskjaer have? Oh, you won the league with mould. Well done, boy. Like, fucking mould on your wall. Be big than having. Yeah, like, fuck me. Like, you know. Nah. Not, I'm not. I'm just not having that comparison. Like, like. No, I did, do you know what? I didn't think you would. No. I, honestly, I didn't. I'm, I'm not surprised. I didn't, I didn't think you'd have that comparison. I did enjoy it myself because I do enjoy, as you do as well, when we all start ripping into each other. That's the beauty no. of the babble. I, I did, um, I did, I did laugh. I can't, I can't admit, I did laugh and giggle at his little popcorn comment. I did, Stephen. I have to admit, <laughs> um, you're a little bullshit. You little he's, he's very bold. He is very um, bold. Like he's bolder than me, and you know, as bold. that's what happens when you're the older one. You can just be as bold as you want, like, and that's clearly the power he has now. Um, but we'll all just gang up on him and get him. Wouldn't worry about it. I'll bold. Um, <laughs> yes, we've so we we got that off your chest. Now, folks, for anyone that, know, that doesn't know this, Johnny sets usually the schedule for Thursday Night Babble. So he, he would send me through the notes, this is what we're talking about tonight, and then obviously if something else comes up, then, you know, we might add it in, like the Newcastle, Newcastle. thing. Um, and then at the end, there'll be uh, AOB, which is any other babble. Because get rid of the business part, it's any other babble. This is the babble. And he sent me a note, and one of them was, folks, international breaks are shite. That's that's the note he sent me here. So we're going to get into this, Johnny. You think we talk about this all the time? I think the frustration for for I look. Yes, international breaks aren't ideal, and I I think it was yesterday it was announced basically that anyone that has any any team that has South American internationals that are away, you're basically not going to get them for the first game back. So Liverpool play in Watford, Allison and Fabinho won't be available because they're playing on Friday night, I think it is, uh, for Brazil. Cavani is also... Uh, I'm not sure. Cavani's also playing for uh, Uruguay. Fred's in the Brazil panel. There's obviously Gabriel thank Jesus. God, Steve. <laughs> I know. Thank God. Gabriel Jesus is there as well. There's there's quite a few internationals are away and they're going to be involved in games. I think it's either Friday night or it's... Thursday night, but over here it'll be Friday morning, if you know what I mean. So they won't be able to get back in time anyway, and they won't be ready to play. So it's really heightened, I think, these international breaks for people because you're getting into the swing of things of your watching your club, and then next thing, boom, there's another break in the season and it's away again. Plus, you you feel some of this doesn't need to happen only because Copa America, the Confederation were absolute morons and decided they had to play the Copa America in the summer. Or sorry, this the CONCACAF had to play the America uh, the Copa America in the summer when they could have just done all their qualifying because 
World Cup qualifying in South America is mental. Ten teams in a league, and you play twenty obviously uh, eighteen games something daft, and it's just a mammoth uh, attempt to try and qualify. When they had a break in the summer, they could have done that. To that attitude, you have the Nations League on as well in the middle of this year. There's a lot going on. Plus, you know what's going to happen inevitably. Some of your players are going to get injured, and it's going to heighten it. So, I understand your frustration. Is that where it's coming from for you, Johnny, or is it just like same old? I can't stand this. Bring me back my club football. I would say a wee bit of yeah, all the players are going away; they're not going to be available. But majority is that it's shite. Like um, I seen Steve and Brenton were talking last night in our group chat about Spain against Italy, and I was just, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't even tell mm-hmm. you players are Spain anymore. I don't. I just have no interest in international football whatsoever. Um, and we all we all know, and people that listen to this regularly know that, like Paddy loves going to watch Northern Ireland, and that's great. Um, it's just it's just not for me. Uh, I don't have the same passion for it. I don't have the same emotion towards any. And I, I suppose that maybe is because in this country we are kind of split in who we we feel like maybe we should or can support. But no, just no. It may means nothing to me. I mean, I go as far as saying that, and I mean, this is how much I really don't care about it. Like, Jamie Carragher's opinion slightly means more to me than international football. So, like, that just kind of shows you how I feel about international football, to be honest. That one got me there. Um, So you won't watch any of it that's on this next 10 days or whatever it is? I will literally watch none of it. I will only watch a World Cup or a Euros. That's it. Yeah. And because it's because it's on national TV, it's easily accessible. Otherwise, I will not go out of my way to watch Spain against Italy or fucking Northern Ireland's qualifiers or Republic of Ireland or whatever. Fuck that. I don't care. I only thing I care about is that Bakayo Saka comes back in bubble wrap and he's okay. Otherwise You only care about the Arsenal. Yeah, of course. Like why not? And yeah, I, I suppose this this is kind of going a wee bit slightly off off topic, but I had it in the back of my mind to kind of chat with you about tonight. Um, I didn't mention it to you, but I oh. I had a bit of a not a running, but I met this English bloke recently, and I'll not I'll not <laughs> here he goes. How, no, 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 not bad, not bad. Um, I'll not tell you how I this came about, um, because I don't think it's fair to the people involved. But he turned around and he basically gave off to me. He said, "What are you doing supporting Arsenal and living over here?" As in. You know, the whole support your local bullshit again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, get the fuck out of my way. Um, just kind of annoyed me a bit. And just like, you're a bit of a prick. And the thing is, I actually gave the guy a fucking lift as well. I fucking should have just told him the fuck off. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, go on. That's it, just fucking. And he supports Sheffield United. I mean, they yo yo up and down the league. So. I know his like. I just, I just, I just really hate that, you know. If you live in a certain place, oh, you can't I, support. I've, I've, I've said, I've said this so many times, even not on here, just to people in general. Um, like support whoever you want. Like there's like I I look I I spent 
a year last year involved in the Irish League and I loved it and I loved meeting everyone that was so passionate um, and I said it before like sort of jealous like you were you got to be so passionate about your hometown club it's bound to feel different than the memory what it does for me and you but does it feel better you can't judge that so who knows people can say it does but nobody really knows that it feels better because no one will know how I like how only me how I felt when Liverpool finally won a Premier League title, no one know how I felt when 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 they beat Tottenham in the Champions League final. No one know deep down how you felt. Only you when Arsenal did the double and went invincible. But did it take away how much you felt because you weren't from North London? No, it doesn't take away because I'm from um, because I'm from I'm from or I'm not from Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? So it's strange. Like it's it. Uh, <laughs> I think people just fired out because they think um, it's a way they troll as well too sometimes, and it's a real lazy argument as well. Like I, we both follow um, American sports, and we both enjoy it. Like you, you, you love the NBA. I love the NBA. I also love baseball, and one well, Steve has basically ruined being a Dodgers fan for me, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But I would follow and watch um, the Dodgers. And apologies, folks, if my microphone is really low for some reason because the the cable keeps going in and out on me. So if you can't really hear me, I do apologize. Um, um, but I am trying. I am trying. I am trying to fix it as we <laughs> chat here it's, on the podcast. It seems to be technical difficulties. Yeah, filling this technical. I asked like a the technical dream code. It does seem to be registering okay on my Zoom, so hopefully it comes through okay uh, on the recording. But if it doesn't, like, oh well, we'll fix it for next week. But as you're saying, so I would, I love baseball and it's playoff season of baseball. I, I love it, it's brilliant. And uh, I would follow a team, so I was, pardon me, I was following the Dodgers, but Steve ruined the Dodgers. I'll talk about that in two seconds. But I, I, I am not from LA, never been to LA. Uh, closest I've been to LA was probably when I was in Tennessee. But just like the story of the Dodgers, like the story of what was going on, love the blue cap, was always drawn to the blue cap, the Dodgers. I thought, okay, I'll give this a bash. Now, thankfully, I gave it a bash for two years and they won the World Series last year. Now, however, talking to Steve about this and why he's ruined this and why I now have to pick a new team, and I don't care that I'm picking a new team. This team had been lined up for ages. Steve knows this anyway. Um, Steve was telling me uh, I made of his drafted like a sort of a thing what baseball team was like what Premier League team right, what they compared to and he said to me the Dodgers are the Man City of baseball and I know I'm 33 years bold but that has that has actually he planted that seed I, I bet you did on purpose and it has ruined it for me like whereas I, I I watched I watched them this morning and they beat um uh St Louis Cardinals Louisville Cardinals St Louis Cardinals mm-hmm. sorry they beat them with a walk off home run by Chris Taylor and it was good it was great and all it was all like no not feeling it and I haven't been feeling it I've been like no not since he said that to me no I need to change so I'm moving now to where I think is going to be my spiritual home where I wanted to in the first place and should just support them all along to the New York Mets that's where I'm going. Going to the New York New York Mets, going to watch them, going to celebrate, support them, going to get some of their merchandise from Santa Claus at Christmas, and that's going to be it. Now, do I give a toss 
if someone listening to this podcast thinks I'm a complete wet wipe because I've changed teams, absolutely not. So absolutely do you still not. do you still have your? I mean, I think it's probably obvious you do, but you still have your your Dodgers merch. I have. I'm actually currently wearing the Dodgers blue hat, and, and I never have a hat off now because I'm growing my hair. And I don't. The two t-shirts that I have were made in the vests. Remember, we had that ridiculously, absolutely no need heat wave. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wear a t-shirt. Uh, I just couldn't. You see, when you're built like a beanbag, and you're hurry, long sleeve stuff or heavy t-shirts in the heat just does you no favors at all. Just no favors so i cut the sleeves out of them uh and, and i've been wearing them since so i still do have them i still will wear them from time to time again that doesn't bother me either um but i want to get more mets and move on to following the mets because i had been keeping an eye on the mets they were sort of like my second team you know like sometimes you'll have a second team in football people will i think you said you're a big fan you're sort of a fan you not a fan but you would be you know you like newcastle like see newcastle do well my dad yeah. would be the same he'd have a real soft spot for the geordies no, Although they have, um, so I think that 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 was that always in the background. So that's where I'm gonna progress now, and follow the Mets. It also helps that I have, and I mean we're off on a tangent here now, but this is the Babel on Thursday night. I've got in the Seinfeld, Johnny. I know you get in Squid Games. I'm gonna give you your chance to talk about Squid Games in a minute, but I've got in the Seinfeld because it's it's come on to Netflix now. I want to see my mother and father. I went, well, I will in a minute. I went all the way. I went over to see my mother and father last night. And my aunt Natty, she's home. My dad's little sister. So I went over last night. We're having a crack. I saw the mum. Waited for like weeks there when I saw it was coming on. Waited for weeks for Seinfeld to come on the Netflix. Buzzing. Wanted to give it a bash, see how it got on. First episode, hooked. Mum was like, a many episodes in? I'm rattling through the second series. Uh, absolutely love it. Mum, do you know Harriet? That's my little sister. She has every episode upstairs in DVD. I could have been watching this all along for ages. Never knew anything of it. Turns out my sister is absolutely obsessed with it and Kirby Enthusiasm. She adores it all. The thing with Seinfeld is, the thing with TV, I think you, you go from different shows. You'll have certain shows where, like, uh, they're must-watch. And yeah. every minute, you have to watch. You're obsessed with Game of Thrones, uh, Sopranos probably for people, West Wing for me, Breaking Bad. Um, you're better at TV shows than me. Shows that come on, they're like an hour long or whatever it is, long episode, and you're hooked from minute one to the end. And it's like, oh my God, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the next episode to come out. Or you just keep watching and watching. You know, if it's on a streaming service, mm-hmm. and it's like, let's go, let's, and there's a cliffhanger, blah, 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 blah. Uh, or if it's if it's a comedy and it's an art, it's just like, whatever. You know what, what I mean? mean? Like Whereas, something until I die. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Where you just like, I need to watch like... the next one. I need to watch the next one. I need to watch the next one. Good. I need to watch the next one. Seinfeld is um, different. Seinfeld is obviously it's a twenty minute comedy, twenty five minute comedy, so to speak. But you don't have to see every single minute of it. But when it's on, well, I feel well, it's on anyway. You're still hooked. You still don't really miss anything. Mm-hmm. But there's a comfort to it. Easy. Do you know watching. what I mean by that? It's easy yeah. watching. It's like what my Sarah would call it: chewing gum for the brain. Yeah. 
Do you know where like you just need to get in from like I got in today, we got Finn down to sleep. Sarah was finishing off the dinner with pizza tonight, by the way. And I stuck on a sign, two episodes of Seinfeld before we came on the podcast and I was chilled, was relaxed. I'll, when I met it in the podcast afterwards tonight, I'll watch another couple of episodes. There's just something about it. It's real. I don't know. Other people that have watched it will will be better better critics than me than I am of TV show. But the jokes are quite funny. You can spot as well because a lot of it was improv. I think or some of it was. Pardon me. You can spot when the actors are catching each other out, which is great. Brilliant TV. George Constanza, I think, might have a touch of me and you mashed together. Little aggressive wee man oh, syndrome. God. <laughs> yeah, he's quite aggressive. Uh, I love him to pieces, and so it's just I, I will like I would if anyone hasn't like me had never watched it, I couldn't recommend it enough. I think it's superb. I'm so glad I finally got into it. There's eight eight episodes. I don't know how or eight series. Don't know how many more episodes I have to go through, but I'm thoroughly thoroughly enjoying Seinfeld. It it sounds like um, many years ago. Uh, I started watching Big Bang Theory, and I understand the Big Bang Theory is not for everybody. Uh, yeah, but I could totally relate and laugh at the jokes because I'm a big nerd too, and I felt they're so funny. And I mean, it's like you say, you could stick it on. There's not really a story to it in a way. I mean, if you miss mm-hmm. a bit, yeah, big deal. But it's there, and you can watch it, and it's just like you say, it's so easy to watch, and you can laugh, and you can do other things in the background. And that that that's what that was for me, um. But yeah, to, like I mean, me and Teresa are looking for something new to watch, so we might we might check it out. I would, I definitely would give it a bash. Um, it's only twenty odd minutes long. Like give the first series anyway. It's only five episodes, I think, in the first series. Give it a bash and see how you get on. Um, you, like maybe it's because, again, people are more into their TV. That, that well, I don't know anyone's better more on the TV than you, but maybe it's because it's it's a comedy. People will say, well, that's why it's so easy, you know, because you don't have to be tuned in. But there are certain comedy shows that that you do have to because you don't want to miss something, or there'll be a good not that there isn't a good storyline to it, but there'll be like a storyline or a plot or something in behind it that you'll want to sort of follow. Whereas there isn't so much in this. There's just characters, you know on the screen getting that you can see the friendships development the relationships development you can see the chemistry and all coming up and i don't know i think it's like i can't believe it took me till i'm 33 to probably get into it plus i love that's what i love about the west wing as well i love the way it's shot it is older uh the merchandise like because obviously product placement it's all older it's just there's something real this sounds stupid something real warm or something on the tv or comforting from that on the tv because you know the way everything now is so high hd or 3d or whatever and it's so pixelated it's and funny just pure nostalgia it, of yeah these and early so nostalgic. where yes whereas now it's like soulless you know the way everything now modern has to be all sharp edge and all blah blah whatever whereas it felt it felt warmer i don't know that it, that sounds really yeah, stupid yeah. but it just does look on tv so i would i would highly highly recommend to any of our listeners that haven't checked it out yet that have a netflix to head on over there and check out seinfeld and let us know what you think as well you are trying to make me watch squid games discuss yes we 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 my friends um nice. we we watched it on sunday the entire, well, sorry, yes, we did the entire season on Sunday. 
bar an hour or two when I went out to be Roger Federer. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, it's just the stuff I kind of watch, you know. I said to you before we come on, if you can watch Game of Thrones, you can watch this. It's and I mean I think I think it's actually number one on Netflix at the moment. It's it's just the guy and I read a bit more into it after I watched it, the guy that actually wrote the story had put it all together like ten years ago and he kept getting shot down by TV company after TV company. And he actually had to sell the laptop that he wrote the story on because he was that broke. And now he's like, I think it's the most streamed show on Netflix ever. I mean, it just it just gripped us, you know, like you say, it just gripped me from episode one and Trader the same. Like Trader was the one that actually stuck it on. And we sat down to have breakfast on Sunday and I just got got hooked on it. It was great. It is a wee bit gory, yeah, and there's few rotten moments but just the whole story to it was was just very very interesting and normally i am not one to watch like and this is what it is like tv shows like it is obviously a korean has english voiceovers like, mm-hmm. and i know people have said about watching money money heist to me and i haven't watched it because of the voiceovers but i'm thinking now i will because i watched squid game and i enjoyed it that much and i didn't really tend to notice the voiceover in the end can you not just put subtitles on we could put subtitles on, but for, there was actually something up about the subtitles. Apparently, if you put the subtitles on Squid Game, it changes the whole view on the story. It makes it different in a way. I don't know in what way. I didn't really read too much into it, but um, the voiceover didn't annoy me at all. It really didn't. I just thought the story was great. Um, and it, it's, it's, it finishes up in an interesting way. And I wasn't disappointed in the way that you can be disappointed by the way TV shows end. I think Game of Thrones, especially, is probably the most. Ugh. Yeah, it's probably the the biggest one up there that maybe disappoints a lot of people. But I mean, if you, if you can watch Game of Thrones, I mean, if you can watch the way people get brutally taken apart in Game of Thrones, you can watch Squid Game. I mean, I think if you if you don't like it after one or two episodes, then yeah, maybe it's not for you. But me and, I me don't and think it's the gore though. That would annoy me. I don't think it's that. I think it's the whole. It just it screams to me just terror. It just screams chaos from minute one till the till the series is over, and I just I'm just not ready for. I just don't want terror. You know what I mean? I spend my day watching Cocoa Melon fuck's sake, or oh, uh, yes. Pe- Pe- <laughs> Peppa Pig, or Ben and Holly. Or fucking Thomas Tank Engine, you know this. This is the majority of my TV. So I've just and then Seinfeld, and then Sport. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That, that so I don't know if my tiny pea brain is capable of sitting down to watch Terror. I, like we're watching Clickbait on Netflix, which is brilliant, and we're almost finished it. But I mean, that's the and there was an episode where there was a lot of tension. And that that was just like no, I don't I don't think my little heart's gonna be able to take this, so I don't know if Squid I I, I might down the line give it a go to watch one episode, but I watched the trailer and even the trailer I was like, no, nah. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think this is for this is for people. <laughs> yeah, you were just like no, um, no, no. Well, well, that's fair enough. Like I can understand, where especially 
having a young niece and nephew myself and watching a bit of Coco Melon, um, I can I can get the vibes you're feeling right now. And I suppose it would be kind of rude of us not to mention that House of the Dragon actually got a wee teaser trailer this mm-hmm. week, uh, which looks looks quite good. And um, obviously, it's coming. Be excited for it. I am excited for it because I feel like it's going to fill that hole that Game of Thrones left in my heart when season eight finished. Um, and Teresa, obviously, she loves the Targaryens and it's totally up her street. So we are very excited. Uh, we do plan to watch Game of Thrones again when we move into our new house. So, yeah, I mean, we're just going to completely forget about season eight and not watch it and like it doesn't exist. So yeah, we're, we're we're pretty excited for that. Um, trailer looked good. We I love dragons. It's gonna be. It's just going like you said. Friends. It's going to be chaos, and that's what this podcast is is built on is is chaos. So yeah, it's foundations of exactly. Yes, yes. I um, yeah, I I'm not ashamed to admit this. I I told Finn the other day Coco Melon had died, so he wouldn't watch it anymore. But he didn't listen. And he asked his granny to put Coco on, and she did. Uh, so oh. th- that's that's the stage I'm at, Burton folks. I'm telling uh, uh child's not even two yet, that his TV program's dead. So he won't watch it. So, you know, does, judge, does, judge does me watch, if you want. Um, does he watch Paw Patrol yet? Yep. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He watches well, them all, Jonathan. He watches yeah, them all. Yeah, they're all, they're all sort of melt. But listen, yeah. let, let, let's, let's just talk about something else. I have a question for you. Okay. Right? And this is something that I actually seen on Twitter a few days ago that people were having a wee bit of a debate about. And mm-hmm. Mo Salah. Yes. Is he the greatest ever Liverpool player? I think he has, he, he could end up Having a very strong case for it. Because mm-hmm. I, uh, I think there's Doug Leash, mm-hmm. and then there's Gerard, and I think when Salah finishes, and I hope that is in five, six years' time, and not in two, I think Salah will have a very, very, very strong case that he has been Liverpool's greatest. And I, he, I. I at the rate he's at at the minute, um, I don't think I've seen anyone better uh, in my lifetime. Certainly, no better forward. Gerard was magnificent over such a long period. So Salah would, for me, would need to still, you know, maybe do I, what I want them to do. Uh, certainly, five, six more years. But um, so that's where the argument will come. Well, how can he when he hasn't done as much as far as Gerard? But I think. The rate Salah's at, the level he's at, performance-wise, um, it's absolutely ridiculous. It it he, his game has elevated again, and I, I think people used to argue about who was better between him and Mane, and then there was the argument of well, you know, peak Luis Suarez was still better. No chance. He blows them all out of the water. He's he is just ridiculous. He. He's so vital, and he said it. On, he tweeted about it and posted about it. Uh, we have we have what it takes to win titles, and we're gonna go for it. We're gonna go for the title, and mm-hmm. uh, he's yeah. I if you're gonna ask me what I would give him if I was in charge, 
I, I I wouldn't like to give him 400, 500,000 pound a week. I wouldn't like to blow that and have such a disparity between other members of the squad. I don't believe Salah wants that either. I genuinely don't. He seems to be all about stuff with the squad. He seems to be very engaged last year or two, certainly, with what how things have been going. Um, and I think they'll settle on about a 300k contract mm-hmm. with him and I think they'll get it done hopefully very very soon but yeah I, there's no doubting he has the chance to be Liverpool's greatest ever when you think about it Doug Leach and Gerrard weren't bad no um, um, so what do you think well I seen someone say this week they wouldn't put Mo Salah in Liverpool's top 10 players ever and no it wasn't Paddy uh, before anyone thinks that, um, uh, but that person's not a very serious person, obviously. Oh well, this person you know is, not, is not even a Liverpool fan, so um, whatever, I suppose. Mo Salah, for me, is it, it's it. I can't really say he's Liverpool's greatest ever player because at the end of the day, I never watched Dagley's play, and I'm not going to say I watched clips of him because I haven't. I've seen bits and pieces, but. Not in the same depth, maybe that, that a Liverpool supporter would. Um, what he done on Sunday was incredible. The goal he scored, the the goal he set up for Mane. Uh, I think Brenton made a mention on Monday evening about how Salah has just been consistent, still scoring goals, still in form when the likes of Mane has dropped off and even Firmino at times. Salah has still always got goals for Liverpool. I watched Mo Salah in the flesh at Anfield one day uh, and he ran from the halfway line. And I mean, at the time, this was Hector Bellerin pre-injury. I mean, he outran Hector Bellerin, mm-hmm. the scorer for Liverpool. And he was incredible. Now, I, I know some people have, and even myself, compared him to Messi. Now, I'm not saying he is Messi. I don't think he is. But you can see where the comparison come from. He's, he's a special player. He's fantastic. for what this, Especially for the price Liverpool paid for him. I would imagine at the time, nobody thought Mo Salah would score the goals he scored for Liverpool. And if it is 300,000, I think, fair enough. That's that's decent for a player of his quality, of a world-class player like him. Like, like Mesut uh, Ozil was getting 350 grand a week at Arsenal. And people have their opinions on him. But he's nowhere near the the quality of Mo Salah. Mo Salah has won Premier League title with Liverpool, the Champions League. He, he's won a trophy there that, that Steven Gerrard never won. And I think he's massively underrated and underappreciated by some people. And I don't necessarily mean Liverpool fans. I just mean in general. like People really, really don't give Mo Salah the credit he deserves. There was that uh, nonsense nonsense piece from the Telegraph about how he's not adored on the clock on the cop. There's been four songs made about Mo Salah sung on the cop. If mm-hmm. you only have to be in Anfield when he's there to understand how much he's adored and loved. Paddy jests all the time about him and and different things. Paddy, but Paddy loves him too. He just thinks there's certain parts of his game he could get much better at, which Mo has obviously been listening to the podcast and has decided he is going to improve some of them. 
uh, you saw that path to, to manage your point right on on Sunday. But the, the this notion that the cop and Anfield don't adore him and Liverpool fans don't adore him is is just daft. It is wild. It's the English media didn't they don't have to adore him, but didn't appreciate him, didn't read him. The English media um were saying a lot of nonsense nonsense things about him, a lot of stupid things about him uh, previous and now all of a sudden because everyone else is starting to see, oh, hang on, this actually is a very special footballer. A lot of English journalists are now, as you said, are starting to say about how he maybe is the next one, you know, to take the reins for a while in world football from Messi and Ronaldo. Maybe he's the one that's going to step up and be the one, blah, blah. And all, and all this is coming out now, and all of a sudden they're all like, those Liverpool fans never give him a chance, and won't really give him a chance. That's just stupid. That's daft. Not the case. Salah is adored. I adored on Liverpool and Merseyside, adored by Liverpool fan base. Every fan base has an agent or two in it. Do you know what I mean? But adored. So, yeah, it's I. I'd love him to finish up as Liverpool's greatest. I. I, I love Mo Salah, and I hope he does plenty more years. But um, it, it's going to be interesting to see where he does go from here. And, and and like if he keeps raising the ceiling, what happens? I also think there could be a possible case for Van Dijk to finish quite high up that list at Liverpool when he does retire too. With with how he's got on and how he's changed the club, I think certainly with his introduction has has massively added to that. Um, I mean, in Egypt will tell you that, but yeah, it, it's I, I, there's been a lot of talk about him this week, and if you notice as well, Liverpool's media has been centered around him quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I just wonder is there possibly going to be uh, an, a contract announcement during this international break? So hopefully, fingers crossed. Don't I don't think there's any question about it. I um I think he will extend his contract. I, I really I don't because he, he, he wants to be here, like which is nice. You know, it's not a case of uh, you, you know, it's not a case of what's happened before where he's flirting with anyone else or anything that's going on. I know he did the the interview last year. We talked about possibly playing in Spain, and he said you never rule anything out, which was I think at the time was a fair comment. You, you'd never rule anything out. But then he said as well, like how you know he loves it here. He wants to win many more titles here at Liverpool. Micah Richards, a close friend of his, said that he was talking to him how he this when he was at Fiorentina, Liverpool was where he wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Do you know? So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully hopefully it does get sorted. But um it'll be an interesting uh couple of weeks anyway, I think in the most solid contract talks. Yeah, definitely. Um he's he's a player that needs to be tied down for many more years to come <laughs> and I, I know Steve and the rest of us have, have chatted about the money you would give him now mm. clubs have been crippled by and us especially we've given players massive wages at the wrong age um, but then again those players aren't hitting the heights that Mo Salah is and aren't in a team that Mo Salah is in the if if you're most Salah at the minute, you're looking at the team you have around you. You're looking at Liverpool, and it's probably one of the best periods in Liverpool's history in terms of what they've achieved in the last couple of years and the players in that squad. Like you, you mentioned Virgil Van Dijk there, who this week um, came under a bit of flack from someone who claimed that Rudiger was a, a better defender than him. Um, uh, I know Brenton maybe will, will maybe have a little something to say about that and he probably might have met himself that Van Dijk is obviously better than Rudiger but um, yeah you've 
a great squad there. You don't really want it to break apart just yet. No. Uh, I think it was Steve or Brandon, I can't remember who said it on Monday, that there there probably is players like the likes of Mane and Firmino who probably will need to be moved on. And I, I do agree with that. I think Liverpool need to start looking ahead to the future and even bringing guys in who are going to be their replacements in the long term because Firmino was is he over 39 or 30 maybe recently this week mm-hmm. or so? So you do have to start looking at a replacement for him. Maybe start looking at the system that Liverpool are going to use. I don't know whether Klopp will think about that. If he's going in a few years, he might not care that much. But there, there is going to have to be a, a bit of a transition for Liverpool in the next couple of years anyway with new players coming in. You know, Jordan Henderson's not getting any younger and neither is Virgil van Dijk. So there, there are going to need to be some new players brought into that, that system. Uh, whether Mo Salah is going to be a part of that, I think he will. But still remains to be seen. I, I think the contract situation will be sorted out very quickly. Hopefully. Um, now, this, the final topic before we have any other business. Well, it always has to be the Ireland squad, I think, that just causes some sort of, uh, you know, news cycle uh, during the national break for non-football reasons. They just seem to love it. Um. Callum Robinson came out this week. I think he was brave to come out and say what he said. Now, before we get into this, people will think he's stupid for his actions. That's fair. You have your own opinions, whatever. I think he was brave coming out and saying it because obviously we live in a climate now where everyone is so hyped up about everything and especially with coronavirus and the vaccines and there's so many silly things being said and people, um, conspiracy theories and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the day, like, you know, you, you you kind of have to respect people's choices, even if you don't agree with them. Do you know? Uh, I, I know we don't, but we're not going to come on here and rip anyone to pieces and, and all this here, whatever. Callum Robson came out anyway and said, uh, no, not getting the vaccine, but I've had COVID twice. Um, yeah yeah, it was brave Um, my thing with this is Johnny is uh, like that's fair enough you you don't want the vaccine that's okay it's your choice folks we just had a little bit of a technical issue there and the podcast broke and went down as we were recording so we were talking, uh, I don't know how I'm going to match this up, so if I've managed to somehow produce a podcast out of this and merge these two clips together, prepare himself. We were talking yeah, about... You've done very well, you've done very well. Though. Thank you very much. We were talking about vaccine players and, and unvaccine players, so Arthur Berlin, Johnny, announced this week that uh, who, and 90% of their squad are, are vaccinated. They're going to ask their unvaccine players that they start paying for their own PCR tests themselves. Which could cost um, the the players sixteen hundred euro a month. What do you make of that? Um, I think in in life in general, I have found the best way to convince someone to take action is showing them how it's going to affect them financially, or 
you know, like everything's about money. And I think I've said about this before. If if there's a financial gain or you're going to lose money, somebody will take action. Um, mm. Now, I am not going to sit here and say to someone, you need to get the vaccine and blah, blah, blah. And basically just give them grief because I, I don't think that's fair. But I think everyone has a responsibility to try and keep as many people as possible safe. Um, if you can get the vaccine and it's not going to have any side effects for you or it's going to help reduce COVID cases, I think the best thing to do is get it if it's available to you. I know some players haven't. Uh, quite a lot of players probably in the Premier League haven't. But what Arthur Berlin are doing there is probably quite clever, but I know people will be against that and will think, well, there's being dicks. Which is fair enough, that's their opinion, but you know, I, I think now that the vaccine has been available to so many people and these players have refused to get it. I mean, the club's probably looking at it saying, well, you're not being as safe as you can. Why should some of the players who have got the vaccine and are trying to be safe suffer and have to pay for your test because you're being in a way, I think, a wee bit irresponsible. Mm-hmm. So it, it is quite clever from them. And yeah, you're right. It seems to be also a lot of the Ireland squad as well just seem to um, be getting COVID quite a lot. But and I, I know Steve has an opinion on that too. Like maybe he can touch on that on Monday night or sorry, Sunday night. Um, so I think I, I, I'm with you. Like I think, look, if you don't want to get it, um, get the vaccine. I'm talking about uh, professional athletes here. You don't want to get it, that's fine. But clubs are looking at like we're paying you um, a lot of money sometimes, but we're paying you to come here and perform and to win games for us and to win trophies for us and, and such and such. Um, so yes, we're going to do all week. We can, we think, to help keep you safe and keep you in a bubble and blah 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 and and all this and we'll give you as much guidance as we will try and give you to educate you on this but if you still think that it's not for me you don't want to do it you don't want to get the vaccine well then you're going to pick up the tab and the bill for the tests i i honestly don't i don't see anything wrong with that. i'm sorry if that annoys a few people that maybe listen to this that aren't vaccine I'm sorry, and I don't mean to, but I I don't see anything wrong with Hertha Berlin doing that at all. I think that's, as you said, I think that's clever. I think it's sort of maybe the right way to do it. Because like, at the end of the day, yes, um, it doesn't stop you from from getting it. The vaccine hasn't been developed yet where it's, it's going to make you completely immune from the whole thing and it's going to stop everything from spreading. But... And this, and again, I hope I don't annoy anyone. I really don't mean to, but if it stops you from getting badly ill, or at least gives you a chance from getting badly ill, I don't know why you would take the risk. Like I don't know why you wouldn't sign up for it. But that again, and I, I don't want to cross lines here. Annoying when that is people's choice. Um, that is, you know, everyone has a freedom of choice. You turn on and go and do it. But I just, I, I in sporting terms, I'm really, really surprised with the amount of people that weren't vaccined 
in the Premier League footballers. I know Klopp talked about it brilliantly last week, and then he indicated that I think there's maybe only one squad player um hasn't been vaccinated. Now we'll find that out very quickly in international break here by whoever can't come back and play uh, for ten days. Do you know if they've gone to a red list country? There are four players I think Liverpool have that are away to red list countries. Um, Alison Fabinho will will as long as they come home test positive, they'll be or test negative. Sorry, they'll be good to go because they're both vaccinated. Timishkas is away for Greece and he's in a red list country playing somewhere. He'll have to come home and quarantine unless he's vaccinated. We don't know if he is or not. And the other one is Sadio Mane. We don't know if he is or not. We will soon find out. So it'll be very easy to find out who that player is if they've gone into national duty and not be able to come back. So it's, it's yeah, it's it's gonna be it's 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 just a weird time we're in. This is I know such a cliche thing. It's not even the new normal now. It's just it's just the normal now. This is the normal now. This is it. This is how we move on. So when Callum Robinson did that, I thought, oh, that's brave. And announcing as well that, yeah, you've had it twice. Uh, and you still didn't get the vaccine. I was like, wow, that's actually very brave to come on publicly and say that. And then LeBron James as well got a bit of heat this week because he was saying about how, you know, this is, you know, people's choice, blah, blah. And, you know, we shouldn't be having, we shouldn't be going on at people. And we're not here. We're not going on anyone. Um, but having a go at people and, and picking people, out, singling people out because they're not getting the vaccine. I think this was around Andrew Wiggins and Kyrie Irving's obviously very high profile um, player that, that isn't getting the vaccine and um, whatever. And LeBron James got criticised for this because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, the hero that he is, he called him out. He said like, LeBron has such a standing in society in America that his words, you know, they're, they have power. Mm-hmm. They have a reach. And for him not to come out and say, you know, like, he didn't have to comment on the players, obviously, but he could have come out and said, for toxic, go and get the vaccine. We, my family's been vaccinated. We, we did a research on it. It's the best thing for you. Go and get it. That can make a huge difference. 700,000 people have died in America because of this virus. So that's, I, I understand Callum Robinson wanting to come out. And this isn't a criticism of him at all. I think, as I said so many times already, I think he was brave coming out and do it. But I think someone at the FAI should have maybe, you know, I think there should have been someone there as well, maybe a player there as well that was vaccinated. Maybe this sounds stupid to give their opinion because at the end of the day, there are people out there who still haven't got it that we would like to get it. And the right the right role model, the right, per, the right person, the right figure... All they have to do is say a certain line, a certain sentence, plant that seed or or sway a conversation and then, you know, more people get vaccinated and will come out of this fresh hell eventually. But it's it's such a weird one. Like, it's such... I was so stunned by the low numbers, Johnny, in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I was as well. Um, and I know the likes of Kellen Robson, when you compare his words and his... Like, he has probably been highlighted across the world because of this interview, because of COVID and, you know, because mm-hmm. he's a, a footballer. But if you think of the reach that LeBron James has, I would say millions seen what he, he put out. And I think athletes, especially athletes, high profile as LeBron James, even Callum Robinson as well, you know, they have a duty, they have a responsibility to, you know, 
like you say, yeah, like just you don't need to kind of come out and say it's people's choice, whatever, like, and it is. And I totally get that. And we're not here to, to not say it's not people's choice, it totally is. But he has to understand that there's going to be anti vaxxers out there and whatever, and people who are just so stubborn and blind to the fact that this vaccine is helping save lives. And yeah, you can still get COVID if you have the vaccine, but I mean, the symptoms are so mild compared to what they would be without it. And it just kind of gives those people the leverage to kind of go and say, oh, there you go, or even Braun James said, or Callum Robson said, or whoever. But the athletes have a responsibility as well as these platforms that they have, the, the following they have, people are going to take their word, like you say, as Bible, as gospel. And if they, if they were totally maybe 50-50 amount to get a vaccine, you're not seeing LeBron James somebody saying something along those lines, it's just going to make them think, ah, fuck it. Like, if LeBron's just like, get it if you want, don't, then fuck it, I'm not going to get it. LeBron James came out and was promoting the vaccine, whatever, and saying, we've got it, like you said, done the research, it's totally safe, it's going to help save lives, it's great, guys. Like, yeah. It's like Mourinho. Mourinho put up on Granite Jacket's Instagram page, get, be safe, Grant, get the vaccine. And I imagine that probably had an impact on a positive impact on a lot of people who maybe were on the on the edge of whether to get the vaccine or not. Mm-hmm. But like I said, this is like us talking about this night will have, I don't know, a certain reach. It'll not have nowhere near the reach that LeBron James would have. But still, we're we're still trying to talk about it in a positive way and not criticize anybody because I think it's unfair for us to do that. But if you can, definitely get it. It will help save lives. It will mm-hmm. help us get back to the sort of normality that we're all used to. And we all know this is probably the way it's going to be now for a long time. Red list, green list, amber list, whatever. But I mean, like the more people that are vaccinated, the less probably red list countries there's going to be. You know, it's it's going to be more easy for us to get about, and we can go back to doing what we love to do, and like. I've only started playing um, football again recently, and, and that's great. Like, I kind of realized how much I missed it just by playing football again. And we're, we're able to do that now because more and more people are getting vaccinated and people are being responsible and understand their responsibility in all of this madness that is going on. <laughs> Pardon me. It's... Um... Uh, it's such debate that I think it's only starting, really, to be honest. Sorry, even football. I think Callum Robson's probably kicked the door of it, played open now. And I think after this, as I said, after this international break, where you're going to s- start to realise, oh, he wasn't vaccinated, that's why he can't come back yet. He has to do the 10-day quarantine or whatever, mm-hmm. where it's really going to start to kick off. And it'll be interesting to see how these clubs react it'll be interesting to see how the relationship between clubs and player goes then you know what i mean so it is definitely only just beginning <laughs> pardon me and it's definitely only one it's one to watch yeah and i'm sure yeah. we'll discuss it on plenty more podcasts but i suppose yeah. just to say it before we finish like if, you know fair enough and fair play to callum robson like i mean yes people don't agree with you know his view on it but yeah. at least he had the balls come out and say it like there's oh there, yeah 100 percent we, we know that less than 50% of the Premier League's been vaccinated. And there's probably a lot of high-profile players there. And none of them have been brave enough to come out and say they haven't been vaccinated. And well, I well, suppose... Kerry Irving was doing his press conference there uh, 
last week with the Nets. Kyrie's going to miss, at the minute, Kyrie's going to miss half of the Nets games. He'll not be allowed to play in any Nets home games in New York because of coronavirus restrictions and because he's on vaccine. Mm -hmm. Right? And he was asked in his press conference and to, to give his opinion on, you know, well, why you're not getting a vaccine? Like, what what do you think? And what's your opinion on you missing home games? And his his answer was, can you please respect my privacy, please? Which is mm-hmm. such a fucking lame. He should have been let. They should have. They should have kept asking him to like, carry. You know, we understand that. But for instance, why you can't answer a question on on how that would make you feel by missing these games? He's like, reflect my privacy. Whereas Callum Robinson was just open and honest. Look, this is, you know, I, I don't yeah. want to, I'm not going to get it. This is what's happened to me. I'm going to continue on doing what I'm going to. And, and Stephen Kenny obviously was was honest about it as well and talked about it too, whether he was right or wrong, whatever, but I'm not talking about that at the minute. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. That is spot on. He he was so brave. Callum Robinson mm-hmm. went and do that. It was brilliant. Um, more of that, please, from our sports people being open and honest about things, and you know we won't always agree with them. Yeah, yeah well, I think there's two sides to all that, really. Like, yeah, hundred percent. There's people that can come out and be honest about it, but then, like I would say, there's a lot of other high-profile players there who either are too afraid of the backlash they'll get if they do a bit of vaccine, or I would say there are others who are maybe thinking about it and being responsible and thinking, I have an influence here. And if I come out and say I'm not vaccinated, that might, like I said before, might affect people's decisions whether to get the vaccine or not. And I want people to have their own choice and their own thoughts and their own mind about whether to get this or not. So it's probably better if I just stay quiet. And I would say there are plenty of players like that. And to be fair, they probably are doing the right thing as well by saying nothing. But I would say there's equally just as many players who are afraid of getting absolute dogs abuse from people yeah. for not getting the vaccine. But you know what, there's there's counter arguments to everything, so that's just the way it is. Though. My final point on it, and my I, again, I hope this doesn't annoy anyone, I don't mean to, but I'm not overly comfortable with uh, football players not being vaccinated, or you know, sports people not being vaccinated, especially in contact sports. And people say, well, she, she go to work, she, she go to, you go for dinner, uh, you go and sit with your family. I, I, I do, I get that, 100% get that. Um, and I, I have friends and family that aren't vaccinated. I get it all, but I'm not uh, wrestling or tackling with them. I'm not battling with them for 90 minutes. You know, it's a bit, it, it's different. I'm not, I'm not training with them five days a week. We're running out of things and we're, there is close contact. There isn't that close contact. Work, like, I work in an office, for God's sake, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I know um, people, I, I get it, people think this is hypocritical for me, but I, I, it doesn't sit too well with me. The uh, the number of unvaccinated footballers in the Premier League and, and the fact that there is unvaccinated footballers in the Premier League, I just, I don't know, this is really naive, stupid, I just thought they all, I thought it was mandatory. I honestly did. I thought in my head I had dreamt that it was all it was mandatory and they all had to be vaccinated before they could start playing again. Uh, but obviously that's not the case. So, yeah, we, we we'll see what happens. Yeah, I suppose they're probably cutting 
legally make it mandatory, and I can understand that as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was. I didn't even understand. I just thought in my head, I just thought it was. I just assumed yeah. it was. But me as well. I honestly thought majority of them would have had it, but turns out we're all wrong. So <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, I think that will do us for this week, folks. Apologies if my microphone dropped in and out during the podcast. Um, it didn't on my Zoom. It was showing full volume. So uh, hopefully it has come across on the pod. I won't know until I'm editing it. So I don't know what I'll be able to do. And obviously then the signal went down uh, uh, during the podcast. There was a bit of a break, but we managed to patch it back together. So folks, thanks for listening, as always, to the Thursday Night Babble. Thanks for getting in touch. We did have a couple of questions to rattle off just before we finally, finally finish, Johnny. I suppose it would only be right that we we, uh, acknowledge the people. Um, one of them was, are you enjoying the demise of Harold Kane? Now, was this you by any chance? Definitely not me, no. So, I, I, mean, I, I, can, I can put my hand on a hard saying this definitely wasn't a question from me. Uh, and I'm sure Bratton can confirm this because I think he, he actually knows who sent He does say it, yeah. So he can confirm that that wasn't me. Um, but to answer the question, yes, I'm delighted. Um, fuck <laughs> <laughs> and another one your thoughts on Sterling's future and the great reception he got at Anfield obviously he, he got a, he got a bit of booze I, I think he's had a, unfortunately he's had a, a lot worse than when we first left uh, a few scumbags made it um, a lot worse for him with thankfully they were reprimanded I don't think it was too bad this Sunday I didn't really notice it he he, he will get booze when he goes back to Anfield because he left and, and the way he left, I think that's going to happen. But I don't think it was too bad this year for him. Um, on his future, it's a strange one, Sterling. I think if the two Spanish clubs were in play, as in they weren't, well, Real Madrid aren't as much of a mess as the Catalan uh, Clown College, but I think he could possibly have been away to La Liga by now. Um, he doesn't seem to be that favourite at the City at the minute. Um, I think so, he'll go to Newcastle. Well, he could he could end up going to Newcastle, and uh, they're the richest, well, richest place ever. Richest, they're not even a team anymore. Like they're just just stupidly rich. Um, so yeah, that could that could be one to watch. But I don't think he will stay at City for too much longer. Uh, just just opinion. I think he possibly will move on. Um, and there should be a host of clubs should be up for him because uh, there is a, a talented and a wonderful footballer in there. He, 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 he's, he's shown us at the Euros alone. Um, so I think that'll do us for this week. Um, get all of our podcasts on any podcast app. Just look for the Football Babble. Uh, catch us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at the Football Babble. Johnny, get us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash football babble and also, please leave us a wee review. Thank you very much. Yes, please leave us a review. And thanks everyone that listens. If you can as well, sign up to our Patreon, as Johnny just did the link there now. Give us a pound a month. It's handy. £12 a year. and Get us lads to do a produced podcast. Have the crack and for your entertainment. And folks, enjoy the rest of the weekend. And we'll chat these again on Monday morning. Good luck.